there's too many people that are isolated in trying to do good work for God. They're all trying to figure out how to market Catholicism in a fresh way that actually engages people. So we tried it the first year, had tremendous success. It's exciting. I'm having fun. I'm meeting a lot of really great people. I have been to all of these shows over the last year, and by far this is my favorite. I want to emphasize the importance of what you're doing as lay apostles in the CMN. The Catholic Marketing Network has a service that the marketplace needs and the church needs. There's the distribution of a lot of Catholic religious items, but most of the people you talk to, they say, well, we really come for the networking. It's a great joy to be here. In fact, it was almost 10 years ago that I came to the Catholic Marketing Network for the first time. There was a friend and I putting out sacred music. St. Ignatius Press picked it up and they showcased us and before you knew it, we had sold 20,000 copies to people like you. And that sprung board a company that now has reach in about eight different countries. I found really good and you know very interesting because I like when people come from everywhere and we can learn a lot. We come to show something but they show us too, so that's, uh, that's an amazing. This is always one of my favorite, favorite, favorite events. I always love coming here and being here because it's, uh, it's such a synergy to be around like-minded people with the same ideals, the same love for the church, so it's beautiful. Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you, and thank you so much for listening to the show. I want to thank all of the many, many listeners that have been tuning in. We have just had wonderful podcast growth over the past several months, and we are so, so thankful to everybody who has been listening to Sewing Hope and all of the other great programs on Patchwork Heart Radio. We have made it over 50,000 downloads, and we just got our Podbean badge uh, for 50,000 downloads or exceeding that limit. So, folks, uh, thank you so very much for listening. And, we, and today we continue our series on the Beatitudes uh, with my co-host, Ann DeSantis. How are you, Ann? Oh, great, Bill. Good to be here. I've been loving this series, too. Yeah. And also, congratulations on our downloads for Patchwork Heart. <laughs> So good to hear. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a wonderful thing that uh, just just wonderful stuff that, uh, you know, we have great listeners. And so and we, we remind you that you can always email us too at sewinghope at patchworkheart.org, S-E-W-I-N-G, hope at patchworkheart.org. But I want to jump into our beatitude for today, Anne, because it's so uh, wonderful. There's so much to talk about. 
uh, with this beatitude. I think, at least for you and me, and you know, in in our experiences with uh, heart conditions and heart stuff, uh, to talk about what it means to be clean of heart. Uh, and this is the beatitude uh, from again the Matthew's Gospel that we're using. Uh, today's uh, beatitude is chapter 5, verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. And um, so that's so much to unpack there, Anne, right? Yeah, there is so much to unpack. And um, so I thank you. We're already on the sixth one. So if you haven't listened to the rest of the series, uh, I would say go back because we had some really good conversations and great reflections and the Holy Spirit was definitely at work uh, through all of it. So uh, thank you, Bill. Oh yeah, absolutely. This has been so much fun and a wonderful, a wonderful, um, you know, growth in the Holy Spirit, I think for both of us to, to really unpack these. I know this is the first time that I've spent hours you know, working through the Beatitudes, you know, I mean, and really praying through them and and listening to, you know, God's grace and wisdom that is present in them. So I, I, I definitely second that. If you've missed any of the other ones, go back and listen to them in order, folks. Uh, but but uh, either way, uh, we're, we're really excited about this one today because both Anne and I have had uh, heart conditions. Both Anne and I have uh, known what it feels like to um, need need purification of our hearts. <laughs> Let's put it that yes. way. To, to be made more perfect in our hearts uh, physically. And so I, this one certainly resonates with, with, with me. Um, but, 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 but I kind of want to start, Anne, with um, understanding what it means to be clean of heart. And, you know, we, we kind of sit there and go, okay, what does it mean to be clean of heart? Well, Jesus in this scripture is actually referencing one of the Psalms. He's, re- he's referencing the uh, 24th Psalm uh, and he's in verses four and five. So if we go over to Psalm 24 and we take a look at what it says, as I uh, get through my Bible here, uh, you're going to, you're going to see how beautiful this Psalm really, really is. Um, and, 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 and what he's really t- talking about is um, is unity with God. So, obviously. So it says, uh, this is verses uh, 4 and 5. Uh, the clean of hand and pure of heart, who has not given his soul to useless things in vain, he will receive blessings from the Lord and justice from his saving God. Uh, and, and, and that is what, you know, Jesus is talking about. The clean of hand, the... Uh, and the pure of heart, who have not given his soul to useless things and what is in vain, he will receive uh, the blessings from the Lord and justice from his saving God. So uh, I, I love that he's referencing the, this psalm. And, and he's talking about in this psalm also who can go up the mountain of the Lord and meet God. The verse 3 says, right before he gets to the clean of hand and pure of heart, he says, who may go up the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in this holy place? Right? Um, and so that, that to me is like, okay, if we want to reach the goal of heaven, we, we have to obtain a, a cleanness, a purity. Um, and and we, we know that 
And God knows, too, that we're sinners, right? God, God knows that we fall, and God knows that our hearts are burdened with sin and disease at sometimes, right? Like, you know, Ann and I had physical disease. So, so how do we become clean of heart? What, is, what does that look like? What does that process look like? And, and I think that to, today, for us to really go into that and, and, and delve into that, because the, the idea is that we want to attain unity with God, and, and, God prom, and, and God promises in the second half of that beatitude, blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Right. And, you know, think about that. If you are clean of heart, if you have, you know, purged yourself of all the impurities and, and washed yourself in the blood of the lamb, you will you're guaranteed you, you, you have like the golden ticket to to um, heaven, to see God face to face. And that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Bill. And and it just goes to show that when you really open up your Bible and you look at like those references and you and you take up on it, you take up on the suggestions to go to different other places of the Bible and read it. And I mean, uh, the Bible really is truly is, I think, the best place to begin your prayer journey. Simply just a Bible. I mean, a lot of times we, we buy all these different prayer books and books about the saints and they're all good and they're all wonderful. And I mean, and I have a bunch that I read all the time, but simply looking at scripture is, is really an amazing thing. So I just thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, well, and as on, you just said, and, you know, open up the Bible, look at the notes. <laughs> yeah. Look at the notes. There you go. You have a Bible study right there. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you've never done it before. It doesn't cost that much money. I mean, no. because those notes are in, in pretty much most, I would say all Bibles. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but I found something um, actually online on this, and, th and this is from, it is from EWTN.com, and it is from a Lenten sermon delivered by Father Renario Cantalamese, uh, yes, I have to make sure I pronounce his name correctly, and I think many of us know who he is in relation to the Pope and his role. Yeah, he's so, now a cardinal, he's now a cardinal. Yes. Uh, he's been made cardinal. And what he said, it's from ritual purity to purity of heart, continuing our reflection on the evangelical beatitudes. Now, this is what I'm reading here, that we begin in Advent in this first Lenten meditation. We would like to reflect on the beatitudes of the pure of heart. Whoever today reads or hears proclaimed, blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God instinctively think of the virtue of purity, almost as the beatitude is the positive equivalent of the sixth commandment. Do not commit impure acts. This interpretation sporadically advanced in the course of history of Christian spirituality became predominant beginning in the 19th century. In reality, purity of heart does not indicate in Christ's teaching a particular virtue, but a quality that should go along with all the virtues so that they're truly virtues and not rather glittery, uh, glittering vices. It's most direct, con uh, direct contrary is not impurity, but hypocrisy. A little exogenous and history will help us to better understand. So that's interesting. I think that last part that I just read is that the contrary is not impurity, but hypocrisy. Yeah. Because wouldn't we, wouldn't we tend to think that purity of heart means that someone never has any, uh, quote, impure thoughts in relation to that sixth commandment uh, or the uh, ninth commandment, I believe. Right. Um, but really what it's getting at is 
where is our heart in terms of our motivations, right? Exactly. So when we unpack purity of heart, I think we can unpack the idea that when I'm doing something, whatever that is, uh, is my is it a good motivation or is it a selfish reason? Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to in our hearts. I mean, I don't know about you, Bill, but I think that selfishness is probably one of the vices of life that's the most difficult for a lot of people, including even myself. Yeah. We have a choice between, do I want to do what's easier for me? That's going to make my life a little bit easier or that's going to help somebody else out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that is a daily moment by moment decision, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. It's, it's a moment by moment decision to, to live, um, in, in a way that is really, you know, tr- transparent, right? There, there, there's a transparency to, to living um, clean of heart. And, and you know, hypocrites are, aren't really transparent. You know, uh, they're, they're, you know we, we, like, like when you look at clean water versus dirty water, it's transparent. It's see-through. It's, you know, that, and versus dirty water, which is not see-through, right? And so we have to have a transparency in our hearts so that God can can see. Because, you know, look, it's easy, and especially in the church, it is easy uh, to, to do all of the right things and check all of the boxes, right? It, it's easy to go to church every Sunday, you know, if you're a... Um, you know, youth minister or, you know, work in the church, like, it, like that's easy. You know, it, it's easy to have the outward appearance of doing everything right. What's, what's not easy is living that in your heart as well as on the outside. And I, I think one of the keys to that understanding and becoming clean of heart is purging oneself to, you know of of sin like like sin is what dirties our hearts you know um i i was born with a defect i was born with a heart defect a physical one that needed to in order for me to be where i am today it needed to be operated on immediately like if if i didn't have that operation within an amount of time, you know, like the first three or four weeks of my life, I would have been dead. Just period. Amen. <laughs> I'm not because it was recognized and it was purified. Like it was, you know, opened up the, the, and sealed up parts of my heart that had no, no blood flow to the lungs were opened and parts that were leaking in between the two ventricles were patched up. So, w- w- when you think about it in a spiritual context, when you think about this in a spiritual context, it's the the same thing. You know, we we were born with a defect. All of us. It's called original sin. Period. Amen. <laughs> right. <laughs> like all of us were born with a defect. There's not one person on the planet that doesn't have this defect. Save the Blessed Mother. And, you know, th- that's it. 
So because we all have this defect of original sin, we, we then are inclined to personal sin and other things as we grow up. And I, I think about cleanness of heart, it, it really is a constant thing, right? Because, because we can do, again, all the externals, but on the, on, the outside, on the outside we can do them all. But on the inside, it is a, it is a constant battle to remain clean of heart. And the, the sacraments and the sacraments of confession, like, you know, the sacraments of confession and um, also anointing of the sick, those sacraments of reconciliation help us to obtain that cleanness of heart when we celebrate them, especially with regularity, the sacrament of confession, right? Like, we have to, as people of God, constantly strive for cleanness of heart. How do we do that? By repentance and confession of our sins. And, and the more and more frequently we do it, you know, and we ask God to cleanse our heart, you know, it, it, it's in that psalm, man, you know, you, you, and, and it's a classic psalm, right? Psalm 51, like almost everybody knows Psalm 51 once you begin to read it, right? Because, because it's the miserere, it's the, it's, it, it, it's the prayer of repentance. And guess what it says in verses uh, 11, uh, 11, 12, and 13, <laughs> turn away your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. A clean heart create for me, God. Renew within me a steadfast spirit. Do not drive me from before your face, nor take your Holy Spirit. You know, or, or, or take from me your Holy Spirit. Like, this, this is beautiful because even then, what are we saying there? Like, like, it lines up perfectly with what Christ is talking about. You know, this is repentance, but then it's also understanding. It's also understanding that God, when he purifies us and does not look at our sins and blots out our transgressions and our iniquities from us, to fill us with this Holy Spirit so that we can see him face to face. Bill, I, what you just said is something I want to listen to again because there's so much wisdom there. And yeah, I, I believe and I and I agree that it comes down to us looking in the mirror and looking inside our hearts and saying, where is my sin? Where do I need to repent? Um, and I just want to back up a bit because you brought up the whole idea of hearts and the physical ailments because, uh, as Bill said, that we both had dealt with with heart issues. I mean... Thank God both of us are doing well right now, um, and I thank God every day. And, you know, I want to say, too, that sometimes physical health and mental health, spiritual health, they do all go together Amen. because we can be sometimes, honestly, when you go through a physical ailment, at least I, I know for me when I, when I have gone through those times from the past, is that you can get into that... Uh, sulking and and also looking at the negative side of life and and that that can lead you into a bad place inside your heart and your soul 
So, um, so I just wanted to first say that, Bill, that was really genius of you to bring that, that whole idea up, the connection there about the hearts and, and our, also our spiritual life. And the other thing I want to say, if I could, it goes back to what Bill, what you and I came to agreement with when we started this podcast. And when we look at sin, um, there's all kinds of sin. I mean, of course, when we read this one initially, when you say, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. You know, I don't know about you, but my mind does go to more of those sins of the flesh and, and you know, being pure of heart in that respect. And it certainly does include that, right? It does include all the things related to chast human chastity and everything like that. Yeah. But when it comes to sin, also, it comes to, as we were just saying, those motivations about why we do things and the selfishness that can come into our hearts at all times. That, you know, simply the fact that who am I choosing throughout my day? Am I choosing what's convenient for Anne? It's more easier for Anne to do this, that, or the other, if that makes sense, you know? Or is it easier and better for me to be more sacrificial so that other people can have a better life and be willing to be sort of like, we'll say, St. Therese of Lisieux, who was the ultimate saint that was a good listener and also a person who had a deep relationship with Christ and followed his will, even to a point of pain. Yeah. And yeah, you're so exactly I don't right. Really have anything to say about that? But yeah, it's 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 just an interesting thing, isn't it, Bill? It is, and and you know, the the heart, like like, is referenced over six hundred times in the Bible. I, I I when I found that out, I put it on my website because I was like, wow, you know, what is the heart? Like, what is the like like what is the heart? It, you know, you know, you know, you know, we use the expression like the heart of the matter, or, or or things like that, right? Get to the heart of the question, right? Like we use those, and 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 as you're talking about, like, you know, understanding that 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 means the part of us that is most dear to us, right? Like, like, isn't that what it means? Like, you know, that that relationship with God. That, that 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 we're most dear to that or or with something else you know there's a song out there called the king of my heart okay uh, I and uh, for copyright reasons of course we can't play it for you but but the but go on YouTube and, and Google it and listen to it uh, it's a beautiful worship song but I have a massive problem with this worship song I I love it but the, but the lyrics are, you know, basically are the, you know, the king of my heart uh, is, you know, is the best thing, of, you know, is the best thing in my life is basically what this song is saying, right? Um, and let it be the best part of my life. But here's the problem. In the song, it never references Christ as the king of our heart. Never. Never once does it say Jesus, God, nothing. It just says, let the king of my heart be the, you know, the, the tower on which I stand. Let the king of the heart be, be this, let the king of my heart. But the problem is if we don't know who the king of our heart is, 
and we put something else in its path, like j- just like you're saying, and that you like, like like that purity of intention, all of those things. Like, like if we put the wrong thing as the king of our heart, and it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to take our intention and put it in 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 the place of Jesus and, and make it the idol, right? So we start worshiping other things. We start worshiping, you know, certainly the the people, uh, other people, right? We have that envy, that pride. We can we, we we can go through the list of the Ten Commandments, right? But but man, we've got to look at what is the King of our heart. Is it God? Is it Jesus? Is it that? Or is it something else? And so that song, every time it comes on the radio or comes on my iPod as I'm driving around the car, I I stop and I think, is Jesus really the king of my heart? Or am I putting my job, am I putting this podcast, my radio show, am I putting anything else in that place? Because if I am, then then I'm not being, quote, clean of heart. You know, I've I, I've diverted it, and man, we can worship it. We we can worship a billion, and, and I have in my life, right? I I've put money, jobs, people in in the spot where Christ is supposed to be. Christ gets to be at the heart. It he gets to be the king of the heart. So yeah, I mean, you know, maybe listen to that song later today or whatever, and and pray it, and really. And really put Christ at it. You know, pray, ask, what is the king of your heart? I think that's a really good thing to do. What is the king of your heart? Bill, thank you. Yeah, that was a great reflection, honestly. Um, and it makes so much sense when we think about it. Because in our society, you know, we can all have idols, right? We can all have things that we look at and think, oh, wow, if my life was like this, uh, maybe my life would be much better if I could look like this person have a house like that person, be a Catholic evangelist like this person, uh, have the same hairstyle as this person. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking of things, you know, but there's all kinds of things that people do to imitate other people. But once you realize the brevity of life and also that every single person has a mission and every single person has a talent too. So what I'm, what I'm good at and what Bill's good at and what my husband and what Bill's wife and other people that we know are good at, they're all going to be different things, different gifts and things like that, right? Personalities. Um, so I just wanted to, if I could go back to that whole idea between what does clean of heart mean? Yeah. Bill, like Bill was just saying, this is the continuing reflection from EWTN saying that Christ's judgment on hypocrisy is without appeal. Um, a reward that is above all illusory, even on a human level, because we know that glory flees from those that seek it and seeks those who flee from it. I think what it's referring to is that when you do choose the wrong way, Jesus um, invectives against the scribes and Pharisees who also help us understand the meaning of purity of heart. Jesus' criticism focused on the opposition between the inside and the outside the interior and the exterior man. And so when you were saying, Bill, about that is Jesus the center of your heart, I think that's also room for examination for all of us. 
What does it mean to have Jesus at the center of your heart? Does it mean that every day that I recite eight rosaries and that I have a list of all these prayers and that if I do one thing wrong that, you know, that I think that I'm going to go to hell? You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, as you, as you can yeah, see. Right. So we don't want to go too far in this way of, you know, uh, piety. There's, I mean, piety is a wonderful thing but we have to live as well. So we have to put it all into perspective of what does really being pious mean? And that's putting God first. It doesn't mean the amount of prayers that I do. Of course, praying is your, the way that you develop that relationship with God. But I think what I think of Bill also is how do I love Jesus better and how can I be clean of heart? I think of Matthew 25 and I don't have it right in front of me, but is that, that is that when, when you came to me and I was hungry, did you give me food? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? When I needed shelter, you know, the list goes on. When someone comes to you and needs a listening ear or something like that, it's very simple. Yeah. So I think that's also a way that we can say, do we know Jesus? Now that would be the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, wouldn't it be? Yes. That we, the way that we really know God is that are we following those. Now, I don't mean following it to a point of obsession, right? That I can do nothing every day, but, you know, 24 seven, think about my religion. I mean, there's going to be times where, yes, I'm thinking about cooking dinner. There's, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking about what we're saying on this podcast. I'm thinking about that. I have to get in the car and drive. <laughs> so it's not going to be an obsession, obsessional faith. It's going to be a healthy faith that I see God and I see Jesus throughout my day through the people and through the actions of them and also myself. Yeah. And you know, it really, Anne is like living in relationship, right? Like, like, like as, as you're talking about the internal and external, you know, person, right? Like, like as you're talking about those two parts of who you are, the part that people see on the outside and the part that you feel on the inside and and when those two things come into uh, unity, that is when you see that those clean of heart moments in life, right? Like, and repentance is at the heart of that. You know, I mean, I mean the the uh, confeder that we say at mass, right? When 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 you hear it, you know. And, and you hear the things, you know, for all the things that I have done and I haven't done, you know, for, for, for those things that I have done wrong and those things that I haven't done right. Like, like those, that means that, that we have the intersection of our exterior life and our interior life coming together, bringing those two things to, together in unity with one another. With, with each part, I should say. And, and, and once we have that unity, that's when we get those clean of heart moments. Re repentance is at the heart of it. It really is. Because, because as, and, you know, you referenced Matthew chapter 25, and, and so, so much of our focus oftentimes is avoiding sin instead of doing good, you know, and, and we need to do both, but part of it is the sin of omission is just as great as the sin of commission. So the times that we haven't fed, that we haven't clothed, that we haven't done those things for our neighbor, 
then kind of invalidates, you know, that that feeling of oh, I'm well, I'm a good person, right? Well, you know, we, you know, we hear that all the time from from people who might be f- fallen away from the from the church, and they you know, and they say. Oh, I just want to be, a, you know, well, I'm a good person. Well, what qualifies the good person, right? The, this was in our uh, book that's upcoming, right? Our, our, our book that was upcoming, it was, it was one of the questions that the students asked of us. Why isn't it enough just to be a good person? <laughs> well, be, because good person is, is, is a subjective thing. It, it revolves around you. It's not objective. It doesn't stand on the outside and look in. It's, it's subjective to, you, you know, everything else. So, so we, we have to, uh, and, and, and our own feeling about it. Well, yeah, I, I did all these things wrong, but I'm still a good person. <laughs> we can declare that about ourselves. What, what, what God is saying is, no, no, no. I've given you a set of commandments. I've given you a set of rules and, and and not that they're here to hold you hold you down. They're here to free you from from the oppression of our society. They're here to free you from all of these other things. And if you do them, and you align the inner part of your heart that with the outer external part of you of doing all of those things, that's when you see those clean of heart moments. And how do we get there? It's through repentance. It's through the sacrament, really, of confession for us as Catholics that we can have those clean of heart moments. You know, um, if if you think that, you know, I have been clean of heart my entire life, I I am the furthest person from it sometimes. It's it's understanding and recognizing and knowing, you know what? I'm going to keep battling until I get there. I'm going to keep showing up at the confessional. I'm going to keep texting my pastor, asking him for a time to go to confession, you know, praying through and saying, you know what, man, I really messed up today. I really messed up today, God. I'm really sorry. Like, and, and meaning that you're sorry. That's how I think we, we, we bring those things that you're talking about in the external part of us and the internal part of us together is through, um, just, just repentance and knowing that you know what it doesn't all revolve around me and the way I feel. Oh, it's perfectly stated because we have we really and truly do have a personal relationship with with Jesus and with God. So when we hear our Protestant brothers and sisters talk about that as Catholics, that is an important aspect of who we are. We need to have that personal conviction of sin and of following in in God's ways. And I do think, Bill, that when we believe, really believe, you know, God loves me, he is on your side. Now, does that mean he's on your side to get what you want, even in a sinful way? No, but he's on your side in that he wants you to be, have a full life. He wants you to make the most of the life that you've been given. He wants you to make good decisions. Um, I just want to get back to sin as well, because we tend to think of the Ten Commandments and also even not following these Beatitudes and the, and the two great commandments as the ways that we sin, you know, and, and it is, right? When we, when we don't follow in those ways, um, it is ways that we sin. But it can be in simple ways, too. I mean, when you think of the fact that the people you're around the most are your family, the people that you're living in the same house with, and 
you have a choice. I have a choice that when I'm having a conversation with either someone in this house, meaning my husband or my kids or somebody on the phone, a friend of mine, even you, Bill, somebody, is that I have that choice of being open to the Holy Spirit, being open to not everything has to be my way or the highway, right? And and I think that that's, um, it's a simple way that we can evaluate ourselves when you have a conversation with someone, right? Active listening, my goodness, is that a great way that you can really avoid sin and also follow God's will because you're letting the person say their piece. It doesn't mean you're not going to get a chance to say what you think or feel or your decision, right? But you're saying you're being humble enough, right? So that purity, it goes back to the purity of heart. Your purity of heart is that you are saying, you know what? Anne doesn't know all the answers of life and she's not always right about everything. And I say Anne because I'm me, right? But whoever you are. <laughs> um, but I think that's a way that we can go about our lives and try to be more pure of heart. I mean, I can think of a lot of times, even with my own husband, where, you know, just because you're married to someone, it doesn't mean that every aspect that you agree on every single aspect of life, does it? Does it? No. Right. So, I mean, the humbleness there between you and your spouse or you and your child or even once in a while, you and your siblings or your parents or whatever. And it's a little different there because, you know, their uh, boundaries are also a good thing. I mean, proper boundaries in life, you know, not everybody needs to know every, every thought that's in your head and, and every decision that you make. But certainly when it comes to dinner table discussions and things like that, we can exercise that balance of being pure of heart, you know, and saying, you know what? Uh, I say Angelo because he's my husband, you know, let me hear what you have to say. Uh, you know, our opinions need to come together so that we can be pure of heart together as we're walking through life uh, and making decisions and becoming more what Christ wants us to be. Yeah, you're, you're exactly you're exactly right. And I think the active listening portion of of life is more important than the than the speaking part sometimes like if if we don't listen and if we don't understand the other we it is hard to understand ourselves I, you know i i find that different people come into your life for different reasons uh and our good friend Ray Haywood has that wonderful uh, uh, resource called Reason, Season, and Lifetime Relationships, um, which, are, which are awesome. Uh, it's, it's an awesome resource, and I encourage people to check it out uh, on his website, trjfathersguide.com. Um, but, 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 but the point is that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And... Uh, you know, those lifetime relationships that you're talking about, Anne, are those, you know, mother, father, uh, you know, spouse, you know, children, right? Like those people come into your life for a lifetime, regardless of, you know, whether, whether you know, you're going to be, um, you know, wanting that or not, you know, those people are there. Uh, and then you also have those people who, you know, for a certain season of your life that, 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 that it is needed during a portion of your life for that person to enter into your heart and 
and teach you something for a significant season. And then there's the, the, the numerous number people that we come into contact with, right, every day for a reason, right? Like, you know, we, we, the very basic one might be, you know, checking out at the supermarket, right? They are a reason. You need food and that person has the ability to check you out, right? Like, but, but the reality is how we listen in each of those situations may be different, but just as important. Somebody might be trying to tell you something in all of them, right? If you're working at your job and it's a job that's, you know, your boss is sharing with you something that's important, you know, about his family or his kids or something, you might be called to pray for that, you know? But, but when you change jobs, that boss goes away. That's a season of your life. And, and all of this has to do with purity of heart, because if you're not pure in heart, if you're not clean of heart, then the ability for you to actively listen and know and react to those situations and discern properly is inhibited. Doesn't mean that you can't do it. Doesn't mean that the grace of the Holy Spirit doesn't provide. But the clean of heart have a much easier time discerning those differences in in reason season and lifetime relationships. But it also has the ability for us to allow God to to enter more fully into that situation. You know, I mean, you know, I talk about it with all different kinds of Uber riders that I take. Uh, you know, I've given numerous examples on, on different shows about Uber riders and, and drivers uh, that, that I've come into contact with uh, and, and those Holy Spirit moments, right? Those are certainly reason relationships, right? Like they're, they're very, they're very reason-based. <laughs> I've got to go from one point to another, or they've got to go from one point to another. That's, that's the extent of the relationship. Um, but, but the reality is, is that when we are clean of heart, God's power can work through it effectively. Uh, and sometimes those channels work slower through our relationships in our family because we are, we are, we are more connected to our family, right? Like it's, it, they, they, they know more of our heart. They know more of our intention than the Uber rider does, right? Like, and, and so if we don't see God working powerfully in our family, that's when the humility, you know, through us, our humility then really has to kick in. And our repentance really has to kick in. And we have to say, you know, I wasn't perfect in this situation. And I think you mentioned, you know, earlier in what you were sharing that, you know what, it, when we have like those differences of, you know, between our spouses, just to be able to say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm oh, sorry, yes. right? Like, and... And I don't have it all. I, I, you know, you know, I, I cannot be Superman, you know, like, 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 you know, that's part of it too, to understand that, that we cannot possibly fill every need in the heart that another person has. Only God can do that. We, we can be intimately connected to them in marriage. We, you know, we have, you know, children that we're trying to raise and all these things. But the reality is, is that, only God can fill and satisfy their, their 
their deep longing for him completely. We can step in and fill a portion of it. But as I said, family, when, when you don't see God flowing through and working as, as fast through your family, it, it can be because they, they know a larger portion of your heart than the Uber driver that you just had. Yeah, I know that makes complete sense. And they also know your past mistakes. So it might not be your heart at present, you know, right. They know, they know you from when you were 20 and 25 and however old, you know, but they may not know you at whatever age you're at right now. They know, may not know your exact disposition, heart, and the fact that, yeah, you've been to a priest, you've confessed some of the things that you've done in the past and that you you have a clean heart at this point. You're trying to, right? Right. So I think that's a good point as well. But Bill, that was really, really uh, good points that you made. And I think it goes back to, again, where, where we say to ourselves, where what are my intentions, you know? And there's very simple ways that I think that we can decide if we're clean of heart. You know, one of those ways that we become unclean in heart is that we become prideful, that we become caring too much about what other people think, that we become too much caring about what a group of friends or relatives, what they think, as opposed to what God thinks and what's the right thing to do. And one of the hardest things to do, I think, Bill, as a Christian, is to befriend the friendless, to love the marginalized, to make outreach to those who are being misunderstood. And if you've ever been in that situation, for anyone listening and thinking, you know, I understand what that's like because you're having some issues in your life. Um, I want to make a shout out to those listening who can make a difference for the marginalized people who are outside of the circle. Is it someone at your church? Is there someone that, you know, there's a group of, of friends at church and there's just one person that you heard something bad about and now nobody wants to talk to that person anymore or they have some issues at home and no one's given that person a call in a while? Is it a relative that somebody gossiped about and now no one calls that person anymore? They go to a family party and that person sits by themselves. I mean, I'm just giving examples of how we can reach out to people who feel marginalized by others. And that's one way that we can go be clean of heart and say, do I care more about what this group of people think or do I care about following what God is asking me to do and to love this person who is alone by themselves, misunderstood and friendless? Yeah. Just got, absolutely. I want to say this, Bill, I think you agree. Absolutely. Your job is to go after the person that's by themselves. It's not to impress everybody at school, your teachers, your little group of friends. And, you know, sometimes even in the Catholic world, you know, even in, in the Catholic evangelical world, right? Um, is it about impressing everyone so that I can say, you know, who I am as a Catholic author, speaker, or whatever? It's not about that. Yeah. And Bill and I, I have to say, that was one reason we came together with doing what we do, because we both agreed that it has nothing to do with us moving ahead in, in the, quote, the Catholic world. It has to do with the fact that Bill and I know what it's like to be on the other side of that fence, number one, and two that we want to make outreach to those people who are going through those difficult times. That's why we say sowing hope into broken hearts. And that's why being clean of heart doesn't just mean chastity. Of course, it does mean that too, but it means that we don't want to fall into hypocrisy. 
Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're so spot on with it. And uh, especially from that homily with uh, now Cardinal uh, Cantala Mesa, uh, who is the pe- uh, preacher to the papal household, um, you know, and, and I think has been since John Paul II. Uh, he he's you know spot on uh, when when he's talking about that he's talking you know hi- hypocrisy uh, is is one of those chief ways right like it just it just is one of those chief ways that we um, hide what you know because it's hiding what our heart the, the intention you know it, it's hiding our heart it's hiding our intention from 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 our our, our true intention like you know. You know, I, I always think about, you know, purity also as a prism, you know, like, because when, when you think about a prism that you that you would hold a flashlight to or whatever, you know, a candle to, that allows the light of God, that pure, bright, white light to shine through you, and if you're if you're darkening that prism if you're hiding that that prism you know uh from by, by your intention the 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 colors that are coming through the prism that, that you know that beautiful rainbow of colors that that comes through the prism they're they're not brilliant they're not bright they're they're you know god's light cannot shine through you he, the the purity of his light cannot shine through you to show all of the beautiful array of colors that your soul is supposed to display. You know, it was that um, the interior castle, right? St. Teresa of Avila. Um, you know, if you've never read that, it, you know, it's a little bit heady and takes some time to get through. But but I've read it, I think, twice now. And one of the beautiful things about that is, you know, she talks like the soul is a crystal, you know, and or a prism, Right, like when you hold a crystal or a diamond up to the light, like what happens? Like all these offshoots of white little things fly out of it. But if you are not pure of heart, if you do not have, you know, if, if you're burdened with hypocrisy and you're burdened with, you know, all these other, you know, defects and sins and things that you know you can do, and, and then you can try and overcome, like, you know, and all it takes is confession. All it takes is examination of conscience. You know, to look inside and say, "God, you know what? I desire to be clean." Like, like I, like you know, it, isn't that why? You know, of course, it's one of many miracles of Christ, right? Isn't isn't that what the you know you know I, I want to see, right? Like you know, Jesus asks, "What do you want of 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 a man?" I you know, I want to see. <laughs> right? Like, like we have to ask Jesus, like, I want to be healed of this. Like, like, I want to be able to see, you know, as, as you see, I want to be able to look as you look. Uh, I, and, and I want to be used as that prism. You know, like I, I remember doing that with high school students one time when I was a youth minister, I brought a prism in and I shone a bright white flashlight through it. And I said, you know, look, look at what happens. Right? Look at what happens. Right? When the light of God, the bright, white, pure light, shines through you. Look at the expression of color that happens through that prism. 
there's nothing like it. Like there's nothing, you know, and, and here's the thing. Each prism is different. Each way that, you know, light shines through the prism is going to be different because we're created, you know, by God to be unique. So we as people have to not have, um, we, we have to not hide our intention. We have to say, God, heal me clean me so that I can be exactly who you want me to be and and spread your light through the world. Oh, that was beautiful. I love the prism and, and your examples and some of the experiences that you have had as a youth minister and even just in ministry in general, I think are so valuable to everyone who's listening. Um, and I just also, just on a side note, say, please do subscribe to Patchwork Heart Ministry on YouTube and to Bill's website, patchworkheart.org, because, you know, his ministry really, just like you heard on this podcast, I mean, uh, he's he really has great wisdom, and even in all the interviews that he does on the podcast are really amazing to grow in your faith. Um, I did have a couple other things I just wanted to mention yeah. on the, li- the line of, of being clean of heart is that I found this on that same article that was from EWTN is that um, we need to also consider also that falling into the category of those who take purity to consist in being separate ritually, socially from persons or things that are judged to be impure in themselves. This is a more more external than internal purity. So think about that too. That's exactly kind of what I was reflecting on the last time I talked is that if you really want to be pure, pure of heart, you, you find the people that feel that they are so-called unclean. And those people in our lives sometimes are those who have been bullied. Those who are the people that are, don't have big crowds of friends around them. They may not be the most popular people. But really, that is how we become clean is when we outreach to them. If you've ever been at a party and you see someone who's really and truly by themselves and they're not part of the, the bigger group, the, the, the group that's laughing and enjoying themselves, you know, going over to that person and saying, hey, how you doing? And taking the time to talk to them and get to know them. I mean, that's just a small example, I think. Yeah. Um, but but I did just want to br- wanted to bring that thing up about the po- whole idea of being unclean and not, if we look at what's clean of heart and what's cl- what's unclean they're really almost opposites in our society because what the lord thinks is clean is that person who has been through the suffering and has identified with him in their lives and maybe they are going through that rough time in their suffering they know christ better than anybody they they are clean of heart so it's the person that wants to separate themselves from that that really are the unclean. Does that make sense? It does. It's kind of the opposite, really, isn't it? It's yeah. the opposite of what we would think. And if you think about this, I just want to throw one more thing out there. You know, when we raise kids, and, you know, I have two daughters that are in their 20s, and raising children is a very interesting thing because people start comparing from the time they're born all the way up until they're out of high school and college, you know, when did they walk and, and who was the smartest kid in kindergarten and, you know, which college did they, did they go to? And people start to compare which colleges and, you know, it's crazy, you know, so that whole competitive thing that we do in society 
that starts from a very, very young age and goes all the way up through. A lot of it is based on money, on power and pleasure and, you know, who you know, not what you know kind of thing. And in the end, none of it matters. You know, when you're buried in the ground, right, and you walk away from the, the cemetery, you think to yourself, wow, then none of this stuff really did matter. <laughs> exactly. Right? Does that, that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, I did, my point is there that in, in evaluating ourselves as to whether we are clean of heart, consider this, that all the things that we strive after, you know, did I clean my house to perfection this past week? Was I able to buy some new things this week? You know, being a little sacrificial is really being clean of heart. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I'm a slob and that I, you know, <laughs> keep my house any way I feel like it. it. What I'm saying is that we're not looking at our own selfishness and our motivations as to why we do things, right? Mm. And why, who are we trying to impress with what we do? Yeah. And Bill, it can even go for people like you and I that are involved in Catholic ministry. We have to always say, does it matter that Ann and Bill are like the number one podcasters? I mean, we want people to hear this message, right? We want people to, to care about our message. And that's the most important thing, that lives are being changed. It doesn't matter that every uh, young person in the world, you know, tunes in and thinks that we're the best uh, yeah. Catholic ministers and podcasters ever. No. And, you know, honestly, when you think about this, you know, I, I've had this ministry in some way, shape, or form since 2012. And I have not cared, you know, about um, how many listeners I've had. Uh, what, what, now, now, doing God's will and following that, and 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 continuing to put a message out there because you think that one person's life can be changed is the reason why we do it. You know, if, if there's only one yeah, person that, that that's, actually, that's what it is, right? And if only one person listens to this, you know you know, uh, then, then that, that is supposed to listen to it and has their life changed, then I, I've done my job. You know, it's been worth all the expense. It's been worth all the time. It's been worth all the effort. It's been worth everything. If one heart has changed, that's, that's it, you know? So that's the reason why we do what we do. Um, and you know, I, I, I will tell you, I have grown so much spiritually through this series on the Beatitudes. Um, it, it, it has made me hungry for learning more about the Beatitudes and, and learning more about Scripture and delving more into the spiritual life. And I hope it has for you. I know I, I know it has for me. Um, and, so, and so I just thank you so very much for tuning in uh, and listening to this. And, you know, uh, Anne, I know that we're... Um, you know, going to be doing another one next week. I can't believe we got what two more left, right? I mean, there's only two more episodes. Yes, only two more. <laughs> I can't that's, believe it. I know that's wild. That there's only two more beatitudes left, folks. But uh, we're going to be, um, you know, doing doing them for you here, and uh, next two weeks or, or, or the next two episodes, I should say. Uh, so so stay tuned to our ministry. Uh, all you got to do is go over to Patchwork Heart. Dot org, and you'll be able to, uh, you know, listen to all the past episodes and everything that has been going on. Uh, next week um, is another uh, great one. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And man, we're going to have a lot to talk about there. Yes, as that'll well. be a great one. And then the last one, of course, that'll be the real, uh, <laughs> the, the, the most challenging. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yes. 
Definitely. Well, uh, folks, we really, really appreciate you tuning in and being a part of today's program. And remember that, uh, again, you can always visit us at patchworkart.org and uh, andesantis.com, social media and all of that stuff. Uh, don't forget to email us with uh, your favorite uh, guests and whatnot as well, the people you want to see on the program at uh, patchworkheart.org. But until next time, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. Over 2,000 years ago, two disillusioned disciples walked along a dusty road to Emmaus. They had just witnessed Jesus, their friend and leader, whom they hoped to be the Messiah, suffer a gruesome death by crucifixion. Doubt, fear, and uncertainty clouded their conversation as they journeyed home questioning the future. Until something miraculous happened. The risen Jesus appeared and answered their questions. Today, many young Catholics step onto college campuses with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed of faith given to them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, scheduled to be released in the summer of 2021, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. To pre-order your copy and help spread the word about the book, visit patchworkheart.org.